Today's workplace podcast disclaimer, JT Wilson. This podcast is intended to provide general information about various recent developments in employment law and human resources best practices. Nothing in this presentation or in the comments of Ms. Johnson, Ms. Shannon, or any guest should be considered as the rendering of legal or other professional advice, and it is not directed at any specific cases or circumstances. Listeners are responsible for obtaining the necessary advice about their specific situations from their own counsel. These materials are intended for educational and informational purposes only. The presentation and these materials represent the opinions of the participants and not those of their law firms or companies. No part of these materials may be printed, photocopied, or otherwise reproduced, recorded, or stored, or transmitted in any form and by any means, electronic, mechanical, or otherwise, without the prior written permission of today's Workplace Podcast. Welcome to today's Workplace, a podcast created to keep employers current on the latest employment law trends while providing proactive solutions to the everyday issues arising in today's rapidly changing workplace. Is your business prepared for today's workplace? Let's find out with your hosts, Barbara Johnson and Belinda Reed Shannon. On January 13th, the U.S. Supreme Court issued two decisions in cases challenging the Occupational Safety and Health Administration's Emergency Temporary Standard on Vaccination and Testing, and also the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, their interim final rule on COVID-19 health care staff vaccination. Bottom line is the Supreme Court decided to reimpose a stay on the enforcement of the OSHA emergency temporary standard while staying the preliminary injunctions against the CMS interim final rule pending further litigation. Belinda, we provided an update on the mandates a few weeks ago. What's the background for these two cases that the Supreme Court heard recently? Hi, Barbara. So here's the background. On OSHA published its emergency temporary standard on November 5th, 2021. We call that the ETS. The stated goal of this ETS is to protect unvaccinated workers from the risk of contracting COVID-19 at work. Now, the ETS expanded the COVID vaccine mandate testing requirements outside of the healthcare field. The ETS applies to all employers that have at least 100 employees, firm or corporate-wide, and government employees in states that have an OSHA-approved state plan also fall under the ETS. The ETS requires covered employers to develop, implement, and enforce mandatory COVID-19 vaccination policy. It also requires employers to determine the vaccination status of each employee, obtain acceptable proof of vaccination from vaccinated employees, and maintain the records of each employee's vaccination status, as well as a roster. Employers are to also support vaccination by providing employees reasonable time to get the vaccine and recover from the vaccine by providing up to four hours paid time and paid sick leave to recover from any side effects following each dose. 
Well, that's a lot. And as you can imagine, the ETS was very controversial from the very beginning, going back to September 2021, when President Biden ordered OSHA to create this ETS. And as soon as it was published, 27 states, as well as the Republican National Committee, requested a stay for the mandate. And on November 6, 2021, the Fifth Circuit issued a stay to the mandate pending briefing and judicial review in a case called BST Holding LLC versus OSHA. And then on October 12th, the Fifth Circuit reaffirmed its initial stay and told OSHA to not implement the mandate. Now, meanwhile, there was a Louisiana federal court judge who on November 30th temporarily blocked the Biden's administration's COVID-19 mandate for healthcare workers. And this was a huge win to a coalition of states challenging the measure just one day after a Missouri federal court judge handed down a similar order. So this mandate at issue in the Louisiana case and the Missouri case had been issued by the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services, CMS. And these cases challenged the ETS, these, these cases, both the one challenging the ETS as well as the one challenging the CMS interim final rule were consolidated and went to the US Supreme Court. So the majority opinion in the ETS case, which was joined by six justices, held that the challenger's case against the ETS was likely to succeed and that the balance of equities favored reimposing a stay as litigation was allowed to continue to proceed. So while the decision was not a formal finding invalidating the ETS, the majority of the Supreme Court strongly suggested that it would reach that result if presented directly with the question. So this decision will likely give OSHA pause as it considers pursuing a defense of the ETS. Yes, I suspect it will definitely give OSHA pause in terms of its next steps. You know, the majority of the Supreme Court stressed that OSHA is a creature of statute and that the authority granted by Congress in that statute is limited. It started from the premise that OSHA's authorizing act empowers the agency to set workplace and occupational standards. That's really important because the vaccine mandate is really more of a public health measure as opposed to a workplace and occupational standard. Therefore, the court found that OSHA had exceeded its authority by issuing the mandate, which was more like a public health measure. So the ETS had crossed that line. And in the majority's view, because of its broad application and failure to distinguish between different kinds of workplace settings, the ETS had crossed the line. Yet, the majority noted that OSHA can still, um, can still implement regulations with respect to the pandemic. It's not powerless. 
the court acknowledged that OSHA continues to have authority to regulate COVID-19 risk when such risks are occupation specific or where the virus imposes a special danger because of the particular features of a workplace. That recognition may prove important as OSHA figures out what to do next. So Belinda, did the court decline to make certain determinations? Yes, they did. And this is important. The Supreme Court refused to make a determination as to whether the permanent nature of vaccination and the significant compliance costs imposed on employers by the ETS were more or less important than the potential lives saved by ETS implementation. So they didn't make a determination on that question. The majority stated that those trade-offs were for Congress to decide, and it took note of the fact that Congress had not acted to authorize a vaccine mandate and had not granted OSHA the authority to issue such a mandate in its original statute. Bottom line, President Biden attempted to mandate vaccines for all employees working for an employer with more than 100 employees through the use of an executive order using OSHA, an agency tasked with oversight of workplace safety measures. The Supreme Court concluded OSHA exceeded its authority in issuing the emergency temporary standard. On the other hand, the court concluded that CMS did have the statutory authority to implement its COVID-19 vaccine mandate rule for healthcare workers. And that interim final rule was properly passed. So again, you mentioned the CMS, the Center for Medicaid and Medicare Services had issued an interim final rule and Louisiana and Missouri had issued stays to that CMS internal final rule. And the Supreme Court determined that the broad authority granted by Congress to the Center for Medicaid and Medicare Services to ensure the health and safety of Medicare and Medicaid patients justified the reach of the rule. In particular, the court noted that because most of the facilities subject to the vaccine mandate already have longstanding requirements to maintain and enforce an infection prevention and control program, requiring vaccinations was just a rational outgrowth of a novel threat. The court also held that the CMS was justified in finding good cause to issue the interim final rule on an emergency basis. The Supreme Court though quickly dismissed the argument that CMS did not identify a specific basis for which an emergency rule was appropriate, noting that CMS only needed to identify something specific to forego notice and comment requirements, which it did by citing the impending winter flu season as a reason for expedited action. So for healthcare workers, the implications are relatively straightforward. The interim final rule is now in effect and covered healthcare facilities should continue to implement policies and procedures requiring staff, as that term is defined in the interim final rule, to be fully vaccinated against COVID-19. The challenge will be that the CMS internal final rule, interim final rule was always intended to be read in conjunction with the OSHA ETS. 
So given the court's ruling against OSHA, it's not clear how CMS intends to fill the gap of those details of the ETS that the CMS interim final rule did not originally include. Now, and as for the um, ETS, the current version is likely dead, although not officially. Officially, what happens next is that the case goes back to the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Sixth Circuit. That's where um, the case had been consolidated. The original case from Texas had been consolidated with cases from across the country. So we'll go back to the Sixth Circuit for a full hearing on the merits of the party's arguments. OSHA will likely lose. Regardless, it's unlikely that there would be a decision before this emergency temporary standard expires on May 5th, 2022. Remember, this was only supposed to be for six months while the agency worked on a final rule. Now, OSHA retains the ability to issue COVID-19 regulations in the future. It's possible that OSHA will try to issue a narrower version of the rule in line with the limits identified in the majority opinion. OSHA could do this through a new ETS or potentially by issuing a permanent standard based on the notice and comment received for the prior ETS. Still, we can expect there are gonna be legal challenges to the result in either case. The other thing that could happen is that the 22 states that have state OSHA programs could operate their own OSHA plans governing private sector employees. And those state plans are permitted to exceed the safety requirements issued by OSHA. While we expect any efforts to impose similar requirements are going to be subject to a legal challenge, given this decision, some of those states may feel compelled to explore the option of issuing their own vaccination or testing standard. So to be clear, although there is no longer any vaccine or testing mandate standard, OSHA may be looking for creative ways to issue citations against employers who ignore recommended guidance. It's expected that OSHA will use previously issued guidance, which it may soon update again to focus on vaccination and testing programs in the workplace, as well as CDC guidance to support cases under the general duty clause. So employers should continue to pay attention to such guidance and determine what steps would be appropriate for their particular work sites. Employers and industries listed in the OSHA COVID-19 NEP should pay particular attention to the risk of OSHA enforcement, including the healthcare sector, such as physicians, dentist offices, ambulance service, services, general medical and surgical hospitals, nursing care facilities, mental health and psychiatric care facilities, and home health care operations, and also non-health care, such as general warehousing, meat and poultry processing, supermarkets, and other grocery stores, discount department stores, the postal services, full and limited service restaurants, and correctional facilities. You know, from a practical standpoint, the Supreme Court's ruling does not limit an employer's ability to impose mandatory COVID-19 vaccination programs. That said, 
Because the ruling eliminates the preemptive protection of an OSHA standard, employers implementing COVID-19 vaccination programs will have to navigate the complicated state and local laws on the issue, including new vaccine mandates, as well as those that limit an employer's ability to mandate vaccinations. They all have to be negotiated. The ETS decision and the Supreme Court's decision on the CMS vaccination rule also do not affect the federal contractor executive order on mandatory COVID-19 vaccinations. That executive order is currently subject to a nationwide preliminary injunction on enforcement and is being reviewed by the U.S. Court of Appeals for the 5th, 6th, and 11th circuits. It is possible that the government will petition the Supreme Court to review these injunctions in the near future. Yeah, now President Biden has urged employers to do the right thing and enforce COVID-19 vaccine mandates after losing his Supreme Court case. He said, the court has ruled that my administration cannot use the authority granted to it by Congress to require this measure, but that does not stop me from using my voice as president to advocate for employers to do the right thing to protect Americans' health and economy. He also added that, I call on business leaders to immediately join those who have already stepped up, including one third of Fortune 100 companies, and institute vaccination requirements to protect their workers, customers, and communities. So you have companies, including Citigroup, Uber, and Google, who have already introduced their own vaccine mandates, with some making the shots a condition for corporate staff to return to the office and others saying they'll fire unvaccinated workers. Certainly a lot of confusion, but here are some practical guidance. First, employers should follow federal, state, and local public health recommendations on COVID-19 prevention. This includes OSHA guidance on prevention. Employers should track local legislation on the legality of vaccine mandates and required exemptions to mandatory vaccination policies. Without the ETS, employers will have to navigate state and local laws restricting the implementation of COVID-19 vaccination mandates or requiring additional exemptions from those mandates. A range of states have already adopted measures on this topic and even more are considering legislation in this area. Some employers have already implemented the ETS requirements and they should look at those requirements in light of state and local laws to determine if these laws do pose any constraint on a vaccine mandate. So Barbara, on previous episodes, we have discussed the reality that to mandate vaccines is a complex issue for employers and many factors have to be considered. We hope you will continue to stay tuned as we provide you with the latest information on how to navigate COVID-related issues in today's workplace. Thanks for listening. Thank you. You've been listening to Today's Workplace with Barbara Johnson and Belinda Reed Shannon. If you like what you heard, click subscribe so you don't miss out on future updates and episodes. 